is a saving God. Anybody here happen that God is an awesome God? And the word tells us that since Christ died for us, then we should now live for him. And if praise is what I do, then that's involved in my living. Every day I wake up is an opportunity to serve him. Every morning is an opportunity to give back to him because he's given us so much more. You know, I can't sing, but I just got a song burning in my heart. Some of y'all might have heard it before. I didn't want to put my sister on the spot, so I'm not going to ask her to come up, but she knows the song I'm about to sing. It's called So Glad I'm Saved. I heard it when I was at Hampton. And I'm just going to hum it. It's real simple to sing, So Glad I'm Saved. You catch on, you can sing it with me, but I'm just thinking how great our God is. And, and nothing more I can say. I, I do got a word to say, but my heart is just so excited right now that I just want to lead us to celebrate and just thank God for what he's done for us. And it simply goes, I'm going <clears> to <throat> try to hit it now. <laughs> so glad I'm saved. And so glad I'm saved. And so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad I'm saved. And so glad I'm saved. And so glad I'm saved. And so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad I'm saved. And so glad I'm saved. And so glad I'm saved. And so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad I'm saved. Listen to this, listen to this. I could have been dead and gone, sleeping in my grave. But I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad I'm saved. So glad I'm saved. I'm 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 so glad I'm saved. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, Jay might tell the choir might have rewrote it a little bit. <laughs> but it's all right. It's all right. That's, that's how I remember it. <laughs> uh, but my soul was just happy today. And, and, and the thing is this, it's not a me thing, but it's me when I look about how good God is to us. Uh, the, the sermon title is, Who is Like God? And, and it's not to say that there's other guys out there. It's not to say in, in comparison to other guys, it's to point out that who is like him. That there is none like him. So another way to point out to that there is none like you. You say that sometimes to who you love most, right? You're the best in the whole world. There's nobody like you. You're my sweetest thing. You say all those other things to those who you love most, saying that in comparison, no one else compares to who you are to me. And so if I look over all my life 
and I bet you can do the same. So as we look at the record of our lives and, and as the story has been written, who has been the best to you? Who's been there always for you? Who was always ready right there to, for you to call out his name no matter what the time was? And so when I think about that, I, I just get excited. And so I got to say to myself, who is like you? And there's nobody. Micah says so in the seventh chapter, in the 18th verse to the 20th verse. Uh, Micah, there's not very much known about this prophet except where he comes from. Don't even get his parents' name. Many times a prophet's prescript uh, will let you know uh, what family they came from, their family name. But all Micah has, he's from this place, which tells us that he's no longer there. Since he's from that place, he's in another place. So then they say, well, that's the one from there. But that is not as important as in what comes after that prescript about what Micah says about our God and how we need to turn to him. Micah's a contemporary prophet during the time of Hezekiah and uh, King Hezekiah and, and Isaiah. And so he's in a time that the Israelites and, 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 and are going through hardship because they turned away from God. So they've seen their kingdom split. They've seen themselves being defeated. Uh, maybe at the time this chapter is written, their Ark of Covenant has been taken away. They have seen abandonment from God because they abandoned God first. I'll say that again because some of y'all missed that. They're seeing abandonment from God because they abandoned God first. Some of y'all said that doesn't sound right. Well, God will judge the guilty. And since he judges the guilty, those who go away from him suffer for what they have done. But yet in the midst of this, the prophet Micah is able to look up and cry out, Who is like you, God? I'm going to read from the New American Standard uh, uh, version first, and I'll read from the New Living Translation. But it says, who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. He'll again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and unchanging love to Abraham, which you swore to our forefathers from the days of old. I'm going to read verse 18 in New Living Translation. It says, where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You are not staying angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Who is like God? Go ahead and ask your neighbor, who is like God? I got somebody talking about, somebody already said, nobody. Somebody need to answer that question. Who is like God? All right, somebody. Looking at this God. Mike is talking to a God in a time that's similar to us. They were, at one point, Israel was on top of their game. They were a powerful, powerful empire kingdom. Uh, 
wars have ceased within their own people, and times been good. But then, after David, came Solomon. And then Solomon got led away from some lusts and desires. And then what David did before Solomon has come upon his children of strife amongst the family. And with strife amongst the family, it spread out to the people. And when it spread out to the people, God used other people to punish his people. And so we've seen the different kings come and destroy their walls, destroy their temple, take the people as slaves. But yet there's a remnant, there's a few, select few, that are still in the promised land. Which, which suggests to us that God will punish us, but also he can also show grace on us. Some of y'all missed that. That earthquake did not have to be in Haiti. It could have been in Peoria, Illinois. Now, many of you are saying, well, we don't have those great faults and all that stuff. I want you to understand, God can't move. Did not the Red Sea part and they walked on dry land? Have you ever heard anything like that before? Did we not have an earthquake here back in 88 and again some years ago? So who's saying it only going to be a 1.1? It could have been an 8, a 10, or a 9. We don't know this. But yet, God is merciful. He is sovereign all by himself, which also means that we need to stop arguing with God. Yes, things don't always go your way, but you didn't make this world. So it's not supposed to go your way. Start away somebody up that thought it was all about them today, but it's not about you. Stop drinking your own Kool-Aid. <laughs> I know how good it tastes, but it's not about you. Amen. 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 That's right. Talk back to me if you will. You're going to help. I'll, I'll get done a lot quicker. Because as, as the psalmist says, what? Taste and see how good he is. And so when Micah is looking how good God is and how good he tastes, he looks up and says, who is like you? And then he starts listing some attributes of God. First, he says, you forgive. In all your ways, you forgive. You pardon the iniquity. Now, some of you who've been traveling with us for a long time as we've been dealing with God, you might think, didn't pass a priest from this passage before? Yes, I did. But it was in Exodus 34, chapter, verse 6. When God said himself to Moses, I am Lord, Lord, merciful, compassionate, slow to anger, pardoning the sins of the rebellious, of the iniquity. So this is showing us that God is repeating himself again, which points out how slow we are to get it. But yet how patient he is with us. I don't know how many times my mom had to remind me and my dad had to remind me that they ran the house. <laughs> of course, you know, me thinking who I am, you know, I run things. I watch when I want to watch. I go to bed when I want to go to bed. I eat when I'm hungry, so you're supposed to have food ready. I go out when I want to go out. Why do I got to wash dishes? Why do I got to clean my room? Why do I got to do homework? Why do I got to go to bed at this hour? You know, I run these things. 
My mom and dad paid to let me know, saying, he's like, you in my house. And then when I wanted to co- compare them to other people, they said, well, go on down the street. And then as I've got older, I realized who is like. Because I had an intimate relationship with them. They knew how to relate to me. God has an intimate relationship with his people. He knows how to relate to his people. And Micah has caught on and realized that God, as you told Moses, when you gave him your commandments, I see it now that you are still forgiven. You pardon the guilt of the remnant. Meaning this, we are standing before you, God, guilty. We're standing before you, God, not innocent, not righteous. We're standing before you, God, knowing we've done wrong over and over again. We're standing here, God, our house is divided because we let the enemy take over. We're standing here, God, our children have run off because we let the enemy take over. We're standing here, God, our temple has been destroyed because we turned away from you. And, Lord, we're standing here only because you have forgiven us. And, and, and think about that for a moment, that if God is, is that kind of a God, that he'll allow us to come back to him after we beat him down, talk about him like a dog, disrespected him, told him we did not love him. But all of a sudden, when we need him, we call out his name. Just like how we do our, ourselves and one another. Brother Mo, I, I don't like you on Monday, but when I need you, I like you. Oh, you my friend. Come on down, man. I, I need your help. You know, we can do that. So we start buttering stuff up. Oh, you know I was just playing the other day, man. You know, you know, you know how we be, you know. We act up, we act up that way. We try to butter things up when we want some, but when we don't need anything from you, we don't think about you. Just like people we see in the movies. They they living their lives, but all of a sudden they get into an accident, all of a sudden they calling out God, they got a spiritual wake up. But tomorrow might be too late. People waiting for their change to come. When change to come right now, our God can move in an awesome way. Just change your heart. God judges freely forgiving our sins. He removes the penalty away from us. Look how he removes it. It says he passes over. Our rebellious acts. I mean, I was looking at that. Passes over. And then it started thinking about the Passover. In Exodus, the Passover meant that the angel of death passed over his chosen people who put the blood from the Passover lamb on their doorposts. And when he saw the blood on the house, he passed over them. Knowing they're guilty, knowing they deserve punishment, but because of his grace, he passed over them. Is anybody here thankful that when God saw you and he saw how guilty you were, but yet he saw some blood? I'm not talking about your blood, but the blood of Jesus. He was reminded that you have called out on the name above all names and you have confessed him as Lord. And because of that, I will pass over your faults. The song said, he looked past my faults and saw my need. 
I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. But I'm so glad I can yell out <laughs> and God can lift us up and we, were, we can live in sin no more. I'm telling you that God can pass over. Which also suggests that God does not dwell in our mess. Other people will stay in your mess. They'll remind you of your faults. They'll remind you where you messed up. They'll remind you how you always let them down. And, you know, be careful those words always and never. People will always say those kind of things when they are overly upset with you. When they say you never on time, that means that you really hurt me. And since you really hurt me, I'm going to really hurt you. Talk about how imperfect you are. And the, the sad thing is that how can somebody always never do something? You're never nice. You never listen to me. But when we get mad, those are words that come out. And then, of course, that escalates because why? The other person is going to defend themselves. Well, I, I, know I'm not, I know I'm not perfect, but it's not that I never. Come on. I did give you a quote. I do give you money. What are you going to talk about? You know, we can always find something. But yet God does not get there and say, you've never done this. You've never done that. God said, I'm passing over. I'm passing over how? He says he'll tread it under his feet to subdue it. Basically to say it's rubbish. Then to cast it to the depths of the sea. Which means the soul is in the parting of our sins to separate us from our sins. Man lives on land. We don't live in water. So while you're here on the land, God says, you know what? I'm going to separate my sins from you and where you walk and put it where you don't go. You see how he pardons us. He removes the record. The psalmist says how he separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. I'm so glad that God's forgiveness is that great. That nothing separates it. And so as he's overlooking our sins and he pardons our iniquities, look what else he says. He says he does not stay angry forever. And, and, and why does God not stay angry forever? Because he'd rather show you his mercy. Or another translation says loving kindness. Or another translation says steadfast Love, but if you, I want you to grab what, it, what they're trying to describe because our English words don't hit the root of a word, but our English words are basically trying to describe what he's saying, that he is loyal in loving you. He's loyal in loving you. Unceasing, undenied. Just think about it for a moment. God has already committed to love you in spite of yourself. God has loved you like this. Mom and dad just gave you the keys to the car. Maybe a brand new car, maybe their car, but either way, you finally got the keys to the car. And you go out the first time in that car and you wreck that thing. It's total. It is messed up. It's nothing they can do, but they got to get a new car to replace that car. But yet when they come home, when you come home, they don't yell at you. They don't whoop you. They don't say, I'm taking your license away from you. They don't say, give me my keys back. They say, I love you. And I'm glad you're okay. 
And when we get the new car, you'll get the keys to that car too. God says, I love you in such a way I know you're going to wreck and destroy what I give you, but I'm still willing to give you more. Do you cast that? He's willing to give you more knowing you messed up because he's committed to loving you. But I, I'll just talk about me. I don't know about everybody's business, but I know my business. And I'm committed to love you as much as you love me. I, I love you if you love my cubs. We, we good. I, I, I love you if you let me buy $20. We good. I, I love you if you let me ride in your car. We good. Can I drive your car? Oh, uh, uh, that's something different now. Can I buy a train? Nope, 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 nope. You want to go with me to watch this game? Mm-mm, it's not the Cubs playing. Don't care. You know, we limit our love to when it benefits us, but God says, even when it hurts me, even when you stab me, even when you break me, I'm still going to love you to make you whole. He will again have compassion on us. Meaning that you deserve punishment, you deserve to get what you're going to get, but I can say, hold up, and say, not so, because I'm merciful. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them to the depths of the ocean. Because why, God? You delight in showing unfailing love. In Micah, the sixth chapter, it says, in the sixth verse, it says, what, With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has told you, old man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. It's amazing how we want to, we, we do, we do de- deceiving and deceitful acts, and we try to pay God off. We want to do things, say, I'm going to get holy now. But you can't get yourself right. All that stuff is vain and empty. God just wants you to come to him as you are. And realize there's nothing to be scared of because who is like him? He's merciful. He's gracious. He's patient. So he's willing to put up with your mess and love you till that mess gets out of you. Just like a good lemonade. You get lemons, they sour all by themselves, right? But yet you don't throw the lemons out because they sour. You try and say, I want to make some lemonade. So what do you do? You cut the lemon open. And you see what's good inside the lemon. And you say, how can I get this out? I got to squeeze to get that lemon out. And now the lemon juice is out, but it's still bitter. It's not how good I want. So I got to add some sugar. Got to add some water. Some of y'all might add some 7-Up, some ginger ale, whatever else you put in there just to get it that taste. But either way, you realize that something was bitter, but I wanted to get everything out of this bitter thing I can now and squeeze it out. So God takes uh, your bitterness and your sourness, the hurts and the pains uh, and that you have, and he can mix it up with what he had. Because the Bible tells us, and we know this, that God works all things. 
for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God can take the bitterness in your life and make it sweet. How else can Micah be in the time of seeing his kingdom destroyed, the time his tabernacle destroyed, people that he loves locked up in other strange lands, but yet he looks up and says, who is like God? Same thing for those who are in desperate situations all over the world. The testament comes at us that we got it good. We know where we're going when we leave here. Some people don't know where they're going. Some people don't know if they're going to have another meal. And yet, it's easy when you have that to say, who is like God? He's been good to me. But yet, if your house was broken, your life is falling apart, your health is failing, your finances are gone, will you still say, who is like God? Because when you look at this text, it does not say the God that gave me a big house, the God that gave me good health. But no, it points to the inward part of me, the God that forgave me of my sins. Do you catch that? The God is not really concerned about the jewelry you wear, the shoes we wear, the ties we wear. The coast we wear. But he is concerned about your eternal salvation. And so when God is concerned about that, we realize what's really important. And that's the challenge as we're going to fast for 21 days. Can you really fast from TV? You're going to make some excuses. Well, I got to watch my favorite preacher on TV. No, you don't. My favorite preacher on TV. You want to know who the favorite, my favorite preacher is? The best preacher there ever is. Dr. Garner Taylor said before, since he was standing in nothingness, he had to form his own pulpit in the cosmos <laughs> of his own character. <laughs> and his only audience was what, what was not, that he spoke to become what he is. That's God. And so if you're looking for a good word, open up the good word. Someone say, I, 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 can't, I can't make it without getting on the internet. Where were you before the internet? <laughs> and some of you say, all, all I know is the internet. Well, then you need to know more about God. Because we will say, who is like this? Who is like that? But who is like God? There's none like him. And then look, it says, you will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love. It points out, it begins and it closes at the beginning, showing that God will show us. And, and I want you to grab this, that, that one of my, 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 my favorite experiences in college was nothing more than me calling my mom and my dad and letting them know that their son failed his class that he needed to pass to graduate. And I was crying on the phone, waiting, waiting and ready for my parents to be upset with me yell at me and tell me how bad I was and, and I should have did better, I knew better so I should have done better, but this is all they said to me, said, can you still walk? They, they knew I messed up, they knew they paid my money and I messed up and they, but yet they said, you, we still want to see you graduate. 
God does the same thing to us. You know you messed up. You know you fell short. But you can call on his name. And God said, I can still see you through. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rough by yourself. It's hard all by yourself. That's why you weren't meant to do it by yourself. God made you for him. So how are you going to make it without him? That's why God has already said, I'm committed to love you in spite of you. I'm committed to be faithful to you even when you're unfaithful to me. The writer tells us that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible tells us that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Which points out that God is consistent in, in all of my inconsistencies. God still is able to provide for me. God is still able to defeat my, my enemy. God is still able to wake me up in the morning light. God is able to see me through the dark valleys. God is able to be stronger and bigger and greater than anything I'll ever face. The psalmist says, uh, we say we get excited, uh, but look at it in in Psalm 30th chapter, verse 4 and 5. I just want you to look at that. It says, sing uh, to the Lord all you godly ones. Praise his holy name for his Anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. And weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Do you understand? God won't be angry forever. He will revisit his compassion. His mercy is everlasting. His love is enduring. So call on. The name of the Lord. Oh, turn from our wicked ways. Let us come back to God. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for allowing other things to take precedent in my life. I'm, I'm sorry think you was really concerned about my check account. I'm sorry that you was really concerned about how big my house was. I'm sorry, God, that I thought that it mattered how fast my car moved. But God, I want to draw closer to you. Because I realize in everything, when it boils down to you, when I talk about your attributes, it does not say anything about riches. But it says you're a forgiving God. You're a loving God. You're a merciful God. Zion, guests and visitors, I challenge you to see God as he is. And see how you can show that to one another. Of being patient, being faithful and loyal in love, being willing to separate people's faults from them and love them for who they are. Greater love, no, it's no greater love than this, than a man lay his life down for another. And we've seen that great example of love in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. So what more can you now do than give your life back to God? But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgression, made, his alive, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in the while we were yet sinners. 
Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. And we say so many times in the benedictions, now to the one who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before him both now and forevermore. Who is like God? Again, all those attributes talk about not how rich he'll make it, but how he can forgive you. How he has shows mercy on us. And then if Jesus tells us to be holy as their Father in heaven is holy, that means I need to be forgiven to my brothers and sisters. I need to be in ministry of reconciliation with my brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter who says it first. It should always be you. Don't get caught up. They didn't say it first. You can go and apologize first. You can go and say, I'm sorry. I forgive me. You can say it first. And let God be glorified and the devil horrified because you're going to say, Lord, uh, I see how to better live for you. Let's bow. Father, we come. Lord, we just come. Search our hearts, God. Father, Lord, I pray that we come with brokenness, God. Lord, you desire not sacrifices. You desire not us to come with a big cash offering. But, Lord, you want our hearts. You want us to love you with all our heart, with all our might, with all our strength. Father, forgive us, God, for us leaning on things just a little bit more than what we lean on you. For God, forgive us that we trusted that paycheck that came on Friday more than we trusted on you to provide for us. Forgive us, God, that we place more emphasis on our job and our company because they pay our bills than on you who make sure that we had a job in the first place. God, we stand here realizing that we have sickness in our own place, that our houses are a mess, that our lives are a mess, our health is not the best. Because, God, we allowed other things to enter in. And, Father, we thank you that there's none like you who's able to forgive us, <laughs> who's able to separate our sins, to tread upon them and throw them into the depths of the sea. And, God, that you don't stay angry forever because you desire to show your mercy on us. So, Father, we come. We come. Tearing down our pride tearing down our ego and letting you have your way with us. In our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. 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 We, may we stand and we stand the hand of discipleship.